Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that gets you inside NRG Stadium, inside the thoughts of Mark Vandermeer, me. I went third person for a brief moment there, but really not for too long. And John Harris, my co-host, as we welcome you to Texans Radio, Texans All Access. Johnny, good evening. How's it going, my friend? John Harris is doing well. I figured if you went third person, then I needed to go third person as well. So John Harris is doing well uh, and ready to ready to rock as uh, we always are. And we're we're oh so close to the schedule being released. And it was funny. I was talking to DP today about this, Mark. The fact that the NFL now sees the value in treating the schedule release as an event that isn't quite on par with the draft. And obviously it's not on par with the Super Bowl, but they're understanding this is a big event. And they're finally like, look, let's give everybody a lockdown day. This is when it's done. This is when we release it and make it a massive. It's been a massive event, but the fact that we can plan for it and know when it's coming and fans know, I think that's I think that's huge. That's massive. I agree, Johnny. It is huge. And I remember recent years, previous years where they wouldn't really know the exact date. And it was in April. Eh, it might be the second week of April. It'll be sometime around there. And then you'd find out maybe a few days out. You know, it just wasn't yeah. the kind of countdown that you have right now. Uh, and it's going to be fun tomorrow as uh, as the schedule gets released. And we'll have it for you. 645 live right here on this program. We will release the schedule. And we'll also be live on our social media, digital media channels. In fact, my dog is barking. Uh, so excited. Just in, in celebration of the so schedule excited. coming out. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, that's, I mean, my dogs are so excited. They're just in the background. Like what they're, you know, they're down at Galveston. They couldn't care less about Texas football at this point, but they're the only two beings that feel that way at this point. Well, I always find it interesting what my dog does bark at. I'm like, shut up. Like, and then, you know, it's the UPS guy. Don't you recognize yeah. the brown truck is not going to mm-hmm. be a problem for us, really? Yeah. Unless it's like one of those movies and somebody kidnapped the UPS guy or the yeah. Amazon guy, whoever's coming to the house. I don't get it. Anyway, um, you know, before we get into I know we always have fun on the show. We talk about football and we enjoy ourselves. And I wanted to talk about. Uh, something serious that happened that we found out about over the weekend, maybe Monday. Well, I, actually, I think it was uh, overnight Saturday, uh, but it was the death of producer Brandon Porter for Sports Radio 610, who produced so many Texans radio shows over the years, in addition to Sports Radio 610 shows. And I know the guys have talked about it on the station a bunch, and I know you mentioned it last night, Johnny, but I haven't been on the air since uh, Brandon's passing. I tweeted about it, and yeah. I, uh, I'm heartbroken about this, to say the least. Just to- totally shocked. Totally saddened. Uh, he produced every hour of our draft coverage this year. Yeah. And we just yeah. saw him Thursday night at the studio as we were live from the 610 studios on that night, the Hyundai Texans mobile radio studios, we call it. But uh, really shocking news. And, you know, my heart goes out to his family, obviously, the 610 family, and really us because we've worked with him for so long. Johnny, he's been around for so long. He was at the station since John and Lance were doing morning drive. Okay. It was wow. that long ago. Well, I didn't know he'd been there that long. Wow. Oh, yeah. I was still doing afternoons with Rich Lord when Brandon mm-hmm. Porter started at Sports Radio 610. And uh, I don't need to tell you how many how many people who actually are still on the market working somewhere uh, or might be yeah. elsewhere or other media, whatever they're doing. Uh, how many people have been through that building since Brandon was there and, and now he's no longer with us. And it's just, you know, somebody, you know, 
Uh, and I don't know him like like a brother or anything, but uh, he was, uh, you know, a radio brother of ours. You know, yeah. uh, you get so close with people in this business. He was really great to us, reliable, uh, really great worker. But, you know, so much more than that, obviously, as an individual. But I know a lot of people might have heard his name. I've mentioned his name dozens and dozens and dozens of times over the years of producing these programs and other programs. So I just wanted to say that. And I know uh, it uh, it hit you hard as well, my friend. Yeah, I, I got the text from you and I was like, man, I just I just sent him the show on on Friday night and he just sent a, a nice quick note of thanks. And I always thank him at the end of the show. And, you know, it's interesting. I'm down in down Galveston for a few days and we were down here for the whole entire month of October. And I was just in you know that I was in serious pain deal with my back and oh, it was just it was just awful. And I would have to sit in this goofy chair and I was doing some of the shows live. And while we're doing some of those shows, sometimes we have recorded elements. And so there would be times where we would play recorded elements of the show and the, the Astros were, were on, you know, their run uh, in the ALCS last year, coming down from Oh three and getting back into it. And every time we'd have a recorded piece going, Brandon and I would just get, I mean, we'd get on the talk back where the interview would be playing or whatever we have going on. And Brandon and I would just be talking about the Astros and watching the game together, basically, as we were doing radio that night. And that was always really cool because I wasn't able to follow the Astros. And so he could keep me kind of abreast of, oh, yeah, this guy is this. And, you know, this guy's doing that. And, man, he's young, but he can do this. And he would keep me abreast of all that. And I, I loved having him produce for us. I always felt so comfortable. Uh, I'm I'm going to I'm going to miss him, Mark. I'm, I'm going to miss him. And, you know, last night at the end of the show, I. I said uh, we always end the show with, you know, go Texans. And last night um, it would have been harder to even go further to say kind of what I'm saying now, because it was I mean, I felt myself just finishing the show, getting emotional about him and what he meant to all of us and what he meant to everybody at Sports Radio 610. Um, you know, we're going to love him. We're going to miss him. And there are some big shoes to fill because he was he was so good at it. You could just give him a little bit of. Hey, I need, I need X and got it. And he went and took care of it. And that was always such, it was, it was a radio godsend for us. And for me to be somewhere, not in studio, not looking at him, but trusting that he's going to pull up the right clip and he's going to play at the right time and everything would work seamless. So uh, I'm going to love him. I'm going to miss him uh, for sure. There's no doubt. And I don't know where I'm going to get my Astros knowledge now. I know that for a fact, because he was, uh, he was the one that was always feeding me for sure. Yeah, it's really sad. Robert Harris is producing tonight's show and uh, and Robert does a great job. And I just, you know, it made me sad to hear from Robert, you know, because I'm like, I'm not going to be hearing from Brandon anymore, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah. not that Robert, you make me sad, but you get my point here. Anyway, yeah. let's uh, let's talk sports. That's what uh, Brandon would want us to do. And uh, and again, our condolences to us, to his family, the 610 family. And I know it's it's hit everybody hard this week. All right, some things to go over. Um, I was at the Houston Texans Charity Golf Classic yesterday. Johnny, I know that you talked about that yesterday uh, yep. with Drew and DP and, you know, what went down and raising over $350,000 uh, in that event. And, Johnny, a couple of, of very important things. First of all, the camera crew arrived on green number 10 as my group was pulling up, and Tyler Suttarth said, we got to shoot, you know, you trying to make a putt, and I made the putt. Okay, first of all, wow. that – okay. And, and then my, my group said, oh, so you need the cameras rolling to make any kind of shot. You need. Now, that would surprise no one. Hold on now. That would surprise absolutely no one. Sandbagging the whole time. Camera crew shows up. The voice of the Texans gets it done. 
So how long at that point did the camera crew stay with you? Not long enough, (laughs) but, (laughs) but, but on the next hole, on the next hole, it's so funny because I didn't brag about this at all when I was emceeing the awards, but I am on the air in front of, you know, many more people. Of course. So uh, on the next hole, I got about a 100 yard 101 uh, shot to the green, a second shot. And I didn't hit Mm -hmm. the drive. I I hit the ball okay yesterday, but we had some heavy hitters. And so I get out the pitching wedge and I'm the first guy to go and I hold it. Okay, I dunk the shot. I didn't dunk it. It rolled in from 100 know. yards out from 100 yards, yards out. Yeah, which I thought was, you know, it was a lot of fun to do that. They were really excited. Wow. I was really excited. Um, so that was pretty cool to do. I've done it there before at this tournament on 18 when Patty Smith hit the drive and I hit the second shot mm-hmm. 125 and I hit it in the hole. So that was big. So never mind raising money for important causes. I mean, this was I'm just kidding out here. It was fun, though, Johnny, because, uh, yeah. you know, not only are out there and, and raising money for a great cause uh, and causes and Texans being champions for youth and Cal McNair, by the way, uh, decided to park it on one green and just be the leadoff putter for every group that came through because he really felt it was important to meet everybody there yesterday. And that was awesome. And by the That's way, cool. He showed us the way on our 20-foot uh, birdie putt, and um, and he showed me the line, and I made it. So that was cool. Uh, wow. Right in front of right in front of the big boss. I was like, rock and yeah. roll. Listen, that- there's nothing. There's nothing like showing your boss how coachable you can be yes, at, at I, any level, at I any said- level, for, for Cal to turn around and go, I showed you the line, Mark. Let's see what yeah. you do with it. Now, if you would hit it three feet the other way, oh, awful! Your, your, your coachability would have been in question. Your draft report would not have looked good at that point. But the but, fact that you knocked it home, that gives you a plus in that category for sure. It could have backfired on me. He could have said, Vandermeer, too much golf in your life. You're done. Okay? <laughs> well, that's true, you know, We don't pay you to, pay golf, to play too. golf. Uh, so, But it, it oh, all worked out. You I get said it so was- good. Yeah, exactly. I'm really not. It was just like blind squirrel luck anyway. Uh, <laughs> but that was cool stuff. And a bunch of former players were there. I saw Jonathan Wells, who I always love bumping into uh, yeah. draft choice from the original lot in 2002. And Amobi Okoye was there. Um, we saw Anthony Hill. He was there. Great to catch up with him. Oh, of wow. course, Travis yeah. Johnson was there. A bunch of other Jacob Martin was there. AJ Moore. I'm going to miss some guys. Uh, former Texans defensive coordinator Wade Phillips was there, which it was phenomenal to see him and catch up with him a little bit. Okay. I was listening to Landry and John. Yep. I can't remember if it was yesterday or today, but they made a comment about Wade Phillips' massive mistake. Massive mistake? And then Landry, yeah. Landry said he was wearing jorts on the golf course. <laughs> Look, and you know what? When I heard that, I was like, hold up now. There are certain people that it doesn't really matter what they're they're wearing is as long as those people are clothed. That's Wade. Wade <laughs> can walk out there in, you know, in the A gear that um, Dan Aykroyd and, and Steve Martin wore, uh, you know, two wild and crazy guys. They could be wearing that from Saturday Night Live. It wouldn't matter. Um, Wade out there hitting the ball. That's, that's very cool. I'm glad that Wade was there. But when they were like, yeah, he was wearing shorts. I'm like. That, isn't that kind of on brand anyways? I mean, isn't that supposed to be for Wade? I'm cool with that. Totally. Totally. Wade, you're right. Wade Phillips can wear whatever he wants. And I love being around him, love talking with him. And, you know, I feel the the direct connection to Bob when I'm talking to Wade for some yeah. reason. He's his own man, of, of course. course. 
right. but there's just something special about that Phillips lineage, of course. And I, the first time I ever met Bum Phillips was actually on a golf course at Sugar Creek. Uh, Bum and I think it's Bum and the Boys. There was a charity effort, and yeah. it was one of the first charity tournaments I ever played in here in Houston. Uh, it wasn't a Texans thing, and that's where I met Pastorini and Bum. And Bum was always so nice to me. He knew who I was, knew what I did. Uh, yeah. Always very, you know, very gracious, asking me questions. I'm like, I don't want to talk about me. I want to ask you questions. He was a curious, inquisitive, wonderful man. And so is Wade. And it's just great to have Wade around uh, uh, participating in these events. And someday, look, I don't, you know, I don't know if Wade's going to come back and coach somewhere or not or whatever happens, but someday I'd love to see him walk out of that tunnel, Johnny. And I think that would that be was, a huge moment. Man, that would be cool. I mean, I, I, I can. Gosh, I remember Bum coming out of that tunnel, oh. taking that cowboy hat, tipping oh. it to the crowd. Oh my gosh! Johnny, Holy that, smokes! I still Wade. You just Wade said walking that. out. Wade walking out doing the same thing. Oh my goodness! When when you just said that, it I felt the the spine tingling sensation again. Bum Phillips playoff game 2011 yeah. playoff debut of the Houston Texans. Bum walking out of the tunnel. And you couldn't even hear anything. It was just so loud. Like I, you know, I was, I, we might've been in a break. I don't know what we were doing. I, I think I described it, but I don't even remember the moment on the air as much as I just remember the moment as a fan, as yeah. a supporter of this organization and how huge that was and connecting yeah. things. And, uh, and another thing was, you know, look, you're, you're playing in a Texans tournament yesterday, so you could say, oh, you're preaching to the converted. But, you know, a lot of people had questions about what's going on with the team and everything. And Nick Casario was there. David Cully yep. was there. Jack was there. So it was great for everybody to be there and talk to people about what's going on with the team. And yep. um, and people love this team and want this team to win so badly. And. Mm -hmm. Look, you know, here we are. I feel like we're on the using a golf term here. We're on the back nine of the offseason. You know, we're well into the back nine of the offseason. We're we're coming in uh, to the clubhouse and getting ready to get the season started. And I am so excited to see Texans football. I don't, you know, honestly, I don't know exactly how they're going to line up and what it's going to look like. I really don't. You know, we are we're all curious. Uh, they would be crazy to show their hand too much. I think one yeah. advantage they have is the element of surprise coming right. into 2021. Uh, but we all see the the massive amount of moves and that, you know, we, we've said it all off season since they started making these moves. Hey, if the right people surface here, if the right, right if the right things sprout, you're going to have a competitive team that can do a lot more damage than people are giving it credit for. I feel anyway. I mean, there are a lot of, I want to make sure I say this right. There are a lot of veteran professionals on the squad and you never know how that's going to go. But if you get, and, and the reason I use the word, look, they're all professionals, but I'm speaking of how professional football players are supposed to go about their business. And I think that's what this organization is, is made of. And I think, I think they're going to go out with just as much to prove as Nick Casario has, as David Cully has, to go out and prove that what they did in the offseason was maybe not the absolute solution, but it's steps in the right direction to the solution. And there are a lot of guys going out there. I mean, look, Mark Ingram, you know, with the Baltimore Ravens last year, by the end of the year, you know, J.K. Dobbins was the, was the dude, and Mark Ingram was relegated 
to inactive status. And you think that sits well with him? Uh, not at all. And I, I think he, he wants to prove something. Uh, Philip Lindsay, leaving Denver, he's, he steady has a chip on his shoulder. I mean, everything about coming out of CU and not being drafted and then going to Denver and proving it time and time again. Then they bring in Melvin Gordon to Denver. The guys, uh, and they're going to be plenty of them that have a chip on their shoulder to be able to prove it that, yeah, I signed a one-year deal, but they're going to love me so much here that I want to be able to stay here for two, three, four years, uh, and I want to be a big piece of that. And a lot of guys are going to have that opportunity. Now, we all know the math doesn't work for all of them to do that, but I do think this team is going to have some guys that go out and play well together, and they're going to, they're going to be some surprises, and we just need to see some young players class of 2020 class of 2021 rise up and start saying look I'm going to be part of this organization for a very long time I need to be a foundation piece Ross Blacklock we need him to be a foundation piece going forward and it's got to start in 2021 those are the things that we got to see but I think you can get that out of some young players if you've got some vets that are showing the right way to do it how to do it how to be coachable as we talked about um, to go out there on the field and produce and be competitive in every aspect of things that they have going on. And it doesn't matter whether it's practice, whether it's, you know, rehab. Hey, man, this dude rehab for 30 minutes. I'm going to do it for 35, whatever the case might be. Right. But I think you've got a number of professional vets that know how that needs to be done. And I think they'll go out and try and prove it every day. And, you know, who knows how many wins that amounts to? Who knows what kind of football team that amounts to? But if you get those guys, minor P's and Q's, knowing what's on the line each and every week they go out there, don't turn the ball over, go get the ball back from other people. And look, there's some coaches that got to prove it too. I mean, David Kelly's never been a head coach. You know, Coach Kelly's going to – I know he's going to feel the internal pressure for himself to go out there and prove, yeah, he was the right choice for the Houston Texans. Lovey Smith coming back to be an NFL defensive coordinator for the first time in uh, I don't know how many years, eight, eight, nine years since he's been an NFL defensive coordinator coming back to NFL game to prove he can do it. So I think there's a lot for this organization's individual members to prove. And if they can prove it collectively, there's no telling where this team could be in 2021 uh, with what they have. Now, we all know the big matzo ball that's, you know, been, you know, there for the quarterback situation. But what can you what can you do about that right now? Nothing. It's a legal situation. You can't do anything about it. So you move on and you, you hope that what you've brought in can absorb anything that goes with that, no matter what happens. And you can go out each and every week and we'll find out when they we find out what and when and where and all that kind of stuff tomorrow, which is going to be really exciting to see what 2021 can do. What did Casario say? Something like we're all in it. We're on the same boat or it's the same for all of us regarding the quarterback situation, the uncertainty around it. Yeah. Um, and you got to make plans for any possible scenario. And that's what they've done. I feel like you can just sort of see it. If you, you know, you see what's in the window here, you can tell that they're ready for just about anything and we'll see how that goes. And you bring up a lot of great stuff here. I mean, I don't know where to begin. I, I think that with lovey, I like it when a head coach becomes a coordinator in that you know, you just narrow that focus and they became a head coach because they were really good at something. And Lovey was a really right. good head coach in this league. I mean, right. I know it didn't go according to plan in Tampa, but with Chicago, go look at some of those records. You know, I know that, look, yeah, you didn't win the Super Bowl. You went to one, you know, yeah. went to another NFC championship game. You made, you were 10 and six and got fired. 
Uh, so, look, Lovey did some things there, and now he can just hone the focus. I know he's in Illinois, but now he's in the NFL, can hone the focus on just being just just being a coordinator. That's all. It's a huge job, but That's compared to being a head coach, yes. it narrows it, and you should be able to funnel everything you've got into that role. Should be pretty interesting for him. And the other thing is this, you know, Tim Kelly – the evolution of Tim Kelly as an offensive coordinator. Someday he's going to write a great book, I'm sure, because I don't know what <laughs> happens this year, but year one under Bill O'Brien, I guess it's Bill O'Brien, right? And Kelly's coordinating, but OB's calling the plays. Next year he calls the plays, OB gets fired. Uh, he's got to take over and really dig into it in a different sort of way. He's always dug yep. in, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, yep. he, he's got the whole thing. And then this year, I think with Cully being the head coach, in collaboration with Pep Hamilton, quarterbacks coach, whatever he brings to the table, he's a former coordinator himself. This could be really interesting for him. So both sides of the ball have a lot of, you know, really, uh, you know, developing stories going on. And, you know, every week we're going to be talking about this stuff because every week is a, whether you like it or not, it's a full performance evaluation. And that's what we're here to discuss. Yep. No doubt. And uh, the one thing I've always loved, you know, it's interesting when I've spent a few years in a different capacity, it was always hard for me because I didn't know whether I won or I lost. That's the great thing about sports yeah. and the great thing about football. I can look up at the end of the day and go, my team has more than their team. <laughs> I did or must have done a pretty good job to make my team better than their team on that particular day. You can't do that in a lot of other businesses, especially when I was in. You basically hand them a piece of paper and say, yeah, it looks pretty good. Yeah, you're good. Move on. Keep your business right. going. That's what I was doing. But in this sport, obviously, and others, did you have more than the other guy? And that's what makes competition great. That's what I love about it. And that's what I think Nick Casario has really harped on this, this spring, this offseason, competition. All you got to do is just look at the linebacking core. I mean, look, look at the guys that have been brought in. I think it's seven of them, if my math is correct on that. And every single guy is sitting there looking at it going, man, I just signed with the Texans. Oh, man, they just signed four other guys. The guys they brought in that came in for conditioning are looking up going, okay, well, I got five other guys to compete with. Oh, now you've got the leading tackler, the Jets, that now has to, now is coming in to right. compete with all of us too. And you either accept the challenge or you move, out, you move out of the way and you allow that person to take over. Or you step up, compete, become a better football player every day, uh, and you see what the result is each and every Sunday. And you already have the league's leading tackler in the building. Right. So right. we're joining that core, uh, right. but they all see what Adams did last year. Who's no longer here. And now he had an explosive season and look, I know it's a different defense, but you're thinking, geez, I mean, you know, maybe I could have a big year like that, you know, and that could really help me down the road. Like you said, either keep employment here, get it somewhere else, but I'm going to do the best job I can for the football team. And, you know, that's the way it's drawn up. You hope it goes that way when you eventually play. All right. Coming up. We've got a who's better. We're going back to who's better because it's Tuesday. I want to keep who's better on Tuesday more likely to happen later in the week. But, Johnny, we've got a who's better featuring Texans opponents and the Texans themselves. You know, schedule comes out tomorrow. we got to start talking about these opponents more and more. Uh, Everybody had their draft. Everything's coming into focus a little bit more. You know, now that Tebow's been signed, we can all have a season. Okay, so let's get into who's better elements as we roll on here on Texans Radio. It's radio. It's radio. It's radio. And it's Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. 
something we'd like to do on Tuesdays. It's called Who's Better? John, are you ready to play? Of course. Let's go. Of course. Of course. Uh, first of all, uh, give me 30 seconds because I haven't heard it yet. Your reaction. I heard Seth and Sean talking about this, but your reaction to Tebow signing with the Jags, you know, we kind of knew it was going to happen. I don't know. If we really knew it. We thought, is this really going to happen? It happened. Tebow's a Jaguar. I think for now, one, does he make the team Two, What do you think? You know, it's interesting. I think people in Jacksonville's fans are, are, split on this they're they're far one way or far the other like oh yeah this is great for Jacksonville other Jaguar fans are like this makes us a joke the guys have played football and however he had every opportunity Mark to move over to tight end or h-back or whatever else when he was playing football and he didn't take it so he gets the opportunity the one thing I will say Mark you know this everybody knows this but I've I've talked about Tebow in this way if you can do it, go try. Because there's no pickup football happening in the park. You're not going to have a pickup game of tackle football in the park. So yeah. when football's over, it's done. Completely done. And this training camp coming up for uh, Tim Tebow will tell him whether he's done or not. So in all essence, all this hot air that everybody's breathing about it, who cares? He's going to find out whether he is cut out for it or not. I have the same thought as Clint Stern on that. Like, if you can play, you do everything you can to keep playing because this thing, when it's done, it's done. And then you're looking back, oh, man, I wish I could do it. Well, he's got that opportunity to go back because of success he had. I don't think it will be ultimately successful, but I do appreciate the fact that he is trying to extend a football career for as long as he possibly can. For that, thumbs up. I just don't think he's going to make the team, and I think we – get the training camp. It's a fun little storyline to watch Jaguars football in oh, the preseason, yeah. but he won't make the 53. I agree. He's not going to make it, but you said it best early on when the story originally broke about the uh, workouts and you said, maybe he's the kind of guy you want in the organization. And this is a sure. good way to get him in, get to know the organization, get to know the coaches, get to go through that whole process, get to know the players. And then all of a sudden afterwards, maybe you can join as an assistant, 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 whatever yeah. it was like Andre Johnson was here or, you know, one of those guys and sort of seep in to the organization somehow, if that's what he wants. But let's start off. Who's better with that? Who's better Tebow as a tight end or Tebow as a baseball player in the minors? He struggled with the Mendoza line, which is 200, by the way, boys and girls. I yes. don't have time to tell you the Mendoza story, but trust me. So Tebow baseball player, Tebow tight end. Who's better Tebow tight end. I still I've always I've always felt like. Tebow, the football player, was always very, very good. I've always respected Tebow, the football player. I just didn't think Tim was going to be an NFL quarterback. And I know everybody, oh, 2011. Look, man, he was, it was miracles left and right in 2011. He was never, he was never the quarterback and wasn't going to be that kind of quarterback. He just wasn't going to happen. He, he needed to be Taysom Hill before Taysom Hill, basically. That's how he could have had an impact because he could throw when he's on the field. You have to, you have to respect it, but he was stubborn about being a quarterback. And I, I, I give him credit for that in some sense, but at some point he should have seen the writing on the wall. Like, you know what? Maybe I should do this while I still got a little bit of youth going here to kind of pop over and be an H back and kind of learn that way and spend a year on the practice squad, maybe doing that kind of thing. If you could have done that, but I think Tebow the tight end, Look, I don't think he's got great hands. I don't think he's twitchy or any of that. But there's something about him that, and 240 pounds worth, he's kept his body in shape. 
he's always been able to run a little bit. So if he can get himself open and make a catch, rock on. Baseball player, no. Tim was never – his older brother, Robbie, was actually a pretty decent baseball player. I coached against him. And so he was a pretty decent baseball player. Tim was, was okay. But I love the fact that he gave it a shot with the Mets and actually did something. I don't think people understand how hard it is to hit a baseball. And he did oh, that, gosh. you know, at 230. It sounds horrible, but, you know, he gave it a shot. But football has always been his thing. And I think tight end would ultimately be in the NFL – where he would where he would be and I think he's always been a very very good football player no matter what so I'm going with that he's better as a football player than a baseball player continuing who's better who's better the Jags or the Jets who's better Johnny Jags and I hate to say that I think the Jets are on their way I think Joe Douglas did a masterful job uh in this draft obviously getting Zach Wilson uh right up front was a big one for the Jets they had locked down that guy they already traded Sam Darnold so I, I did okay. Get Zach Wilson. That's number two. But then the way they they kind of maneuvered the board, you know, trading back up, not giving up a whole heck of a lot to go get uh, AVT Elijah Vera Tucker number fourteenth. That was great. The best the best pick they may have is Elijah Moore, uh, second pick of the second round, the receiver who I think could be Zach Wilson's best bud. But just all the way through the draft, they had uh, depth. Uh, players that are going to add to their depth, guys that are going to be starters, maybe maybe right away in a couple of spots, maybe three spots. So I think the Jets are are looking pretty good. However, the Jags already had some talents. Then you throw in Trevor Lawrence. Then you throw in Travis Etienne. You throw in Javon Holland um, and a few of the players uh, that they drafted. There, Walker Little uh, was a the guy they drafted. Um, no, I'm sorry, they not Javon Holland. Uh, Tyson Campbell, uh, corner. They, their first four or five picks, I'm like, whoa, man, those are really good. On top of some of the talent they've already had. And I don't think the offensive line is horrible. Now you put Trevor behind him, two valid running threats, actually three with Carlos Hyde in that mix too, with James Robinson. I, and man, you just start looking at some of the weapons and you're like, well, these guys could be pretty good before too long. Now the defense still has a little ways to go, but as far as talent goes, I think the Jags are a step, step and a half ahead of the Jets right now. I think the Jets will catch them because they've got a few, they got more draft capital coming. The draft capital for Jacksonville was this year. And they better, they better capitalize on what they got this year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, you look at the coaching staffs. I know both coaching staffs have things going for them. I wonder yep. how baby LaFleur in New York and Daryl Bevel, how they're going to feel about coaching these rookie quarterbacks, you know, in the short term, because, mm-hmm. oh, you got these great prospects and everything like, oh my gosh, they're rookies, you know, because they're yeah. still rookies. Yeah. And you're going to have rookie <laughs> yeah. issues, rookie development problems, and we'll see how yep. it goes. We'll see who develops faster. It's going to be interesting. All right, next, who's better? Who's better? This is a Texans opponent version of who's better. Who's Ooh. better? Cleveland on the road or Arizona on the road. The Texans have to deal with both of these things, these these opponents in 2021. Who's better, Johnny? Cleveland. This look, I know about you know Hop and you know the other guy that that left from here uh, that they have. Totally get it. And I feel like the Cardinals have done a nice job. I mean, adding Zayvon Collins in the draft was fantastic. But Cleveland is on a whole different level. They signed a near Pro Bowl uh, safety, John Johnson. They get Grant Delpit back from last year, um, who was a tremendous – was a stud at LSU, but was injured for his rookie year. That offensive line in Cleveland is just rock solid. Rock solid. I don't think that's the way it is in Arizona. 
and the additions that all the, the Browns have made over the last two years. That includes Austin Hooper at tight end, you know, Jack Conklin on the offensive line. It feels like Andrew Berry is just hit, 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 hit all across the board. And they've got Miles Garrett there still. Now, as it is for both, it relies on Kyle Murray and Baker Mayfield, but Baker can rely on more of that staunch number one in the league running game with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Kyler can't do that. So I think Cleveland is a rough, rough out. And you just got to hope that on that day that Baker is just not feeling it. But I think that defense in Cleveland is going to be nails. I, that defense is going to be stout. Holy cow. And I think that Jadeveon Clowney, I don't think it really will make a ripple, to be honest with you. I think it's great for him. He's there. Fantastic. I don't think he's – I think he's just going to be – um, kind of like Julius Peppers later in his career. He's going to be kind of a spot guy. You put him in for and do certain things, um, and, and that's what he does. But with Miles, with Miles Garrett, with Denzel Ward, John Johnson in the secondary now, they also signed Troy Hill from the Rams. It's Cleveland. It, it's Cleveland to me uh, with those two. But, you know, Arizona, I think, is going to be pretty good. There's no doubt about that. But that division is so tough. Leaving that out of it, I think that Baker – He's coming a long way. Oh, by the way, the Browns get OBJ back. Oh, my God. He hasn't been traded yet, huh? Darn it. Not that I know of. No. All right. We'll see how that goes. Okay. Final who's better. Who's better Texans opponents version. Who's better Seattle or the Rams? Who's better, Johnny? The Rams add Matthew Stafford. Seattle is Seattle. And they had a whopping amount of draft choices, three of them. Hmm. But Seattle's a good team. They feel like they got better anyway. And what is your thought on this? Man. I mean, the Rams last year went the opening round of the playoffs to Seattle and spanked Seattle. Now, new offensive coordinator in Seattle, and I think that's going to help Russell Wilson. But if Wilson feels hindered by not the offensive coordinator, but by Pete Carroll, then maybe the Seahawks are going to be limited. My gut tells me with Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and now with Matt Stafford, that it should be the Rams. And oh, by the way, one of the up-and-coming great running backs who I loved coming out of last year's draft is Cam Akers. And Cam Akers with Stafford, with those receivers – Oh, boy. I'm going to go Rams. I'm going to go Rams on this. I think the Rams making the upgrade from Goff to Stafford, I think that's going to mean a ton. Now, they lose a couple pieces in the secondary, as I just mentioned, going to the Browns, Troy Hill and John Johnson, but and also Brandon Staley, defense coordinator. But I would trust the upgrade to Stafford is going to make that offense that much more explosive, more balanced offense, defense. I would say Rams over Seahawks. Look, I don't want to be Stafford basher. And I won't be Johnny, but this is going to be a real test for his career, for Mm -hmm. whatever it says when he's said and done as an NFL player, because now you're going to a squad that it look, they're not loaded, but they're good. And if they have trouble with the ground game, this is really going to be fascinating to see how McVay handles it. If Stafford can rise to the occasion, you're in L.A., they're opening up the stadium, you're going to have people there. It's going to be a different kind of scene for Matthew Stafford and that organization. You know, as far as Stafford goes, look, you're playing in the NFL for a decade plus. You've been around. You know what the whole deal is about. But now you're in L.A. and the focus is just that much different. I'm really curious to see how that goes down. Look, Seattle's so entrenched. 
you know, I know every NFL team rolls over and changes quite a bit, but when you've got the coach and the quarterback there for so long, uh, you kind of know that you've got some stability. Uh, the Rams look McVay is a really good coach. There's no question about that. Is he a great coach? Can he do it? Can he win the championship? And now that he's got the quarterback, what are the results going to be in a very tough division? I'm so curious to find out, look, we're playing that division. So we're going to see them an awful lot. Talk about them. Yep. No doubt. And I think McVay's last two years, now although the Rams did get to the second round and take on the Packers, I think the fact that McVay's offense was not, oh, the McVay offense of a couple of years ago, there's a little bit of coaching adversity there. And, the, you know, some of the sniping that went back and forth with Goff and McVay, you know, Goff saying, you know, McVay was micromanaging me. And, and McVay was saying, look, I had to because Goff wasn't that kind of player. Well, okay, you went and got Stafford now. He's your kind of guy. What are you going to do with him? It's going to be interesting. All right, coming up, rookie camp is coming up. Nick Casario had something very interesting to say, I thought, a way to look at it, a perspective. And any, anything else that's going on around the league, we'll hit on it next on Texans Radio. Texans Radio. Texans Radio. Keeping your company on a Tuesday night drive. I assume many of you are driving right now, so be safe, especially if I was on the roadways. But I'm not, so we're okay. All right, so let's go. And that's a, more of an indictment on me than uh, commentary on driving ability of our listeners. Trust me on this. Uh, Mark Vanderbeer and John Harris with you. Rookie camp coming up, Johnny. And look, the Texans are going to probably have some tryout guys coming in. I mean, you basically have to, to field whatever you're going to field, right? I remember yeah. one year, the 2013 rookie camp, it had some ungodly amount of players. I mean, that might have been mm -hmm. the most. There was one year under O'Brien. They had a ton as well. But I, I think it was like 45 or 50. It was some ridiculous amount. They had yeah. all these tryout guys, all these undrafted free agents. Uh, and you also had these year two guys or guys who practice squatted in year one. Case Keenum, yeah. the most notable. And I remember them running. And Colin Klein was in that camp. And they were running yeah. some really good practices that year. Klein was out of Kansas yeah. State. And it looked Good. And I remember talking to Kubiak about it after one of the practices. And I said, geez, case looks pretty good. He goes, oh, yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they knew yeah. that uh, he was on the rise as a quarterback at the time. I don't know what we're going to get this week, but I thought Casario, Johnny, uh, at the Houston Texans Charity Golf Classic uh, was right on the money when he's, you know, he, I can't I'm going to paraphrase here, but you're not going to over evaluate every throw. He makes a nice throw. It's not going to be uh, this sort of state of the union address. Uh, right. Davis Mills uh, looking so unbelievably awesome. Or if he makes a mistake, I mean, you can't say, oh, that's it. You know, no good. Yeah. I mean, you just have to go. It's one step at a time. Andre Johnson in his rookie camp had some drops because he was getting used to the left-handed throwing rotation on the yeah. ball of Dave Ragone and a, a fellow rookie quarterback at the time. And there are other stories I could tell about things like this. So we can't overreact or underreact to anything we see this weekend. Well, let's let's do math here. And I did this a little bit, talked about this a little bit last night. They drafted five rookies. They have four, as we think that we know of, hasn't been official. I made sure to say that. Four undrafted rookies. That's nine. Can't even play flag rest, football. Right. And so uh, to me, you can't, you know, those years we were actually able to see a practice, like them going through a practice. And there were times where it felt like a you know, a fire drill um, because where are you going? Who's this? And it got kind of crazy. But the point being, you're not going to be able to do that. You, you don't even have enough to field an offense, defense, whatever the case might be. 
but you can take them through what practice is going to feel like. You know, this is individual period. This is what we were doing seven on seven. But the biggest thing is you meet the position coaches. You learn where everything is. You show how much of the playbook you've been able to retain. You go through your, your meetings. Really, the only thing you can't do is seven on seven, 11 on 11 stuff. You can't do that because you just don't have numbers to do it. But you know what? Davis can throw the ball uh, to Brevin Jordan and to Nico Collins. The offensive lineman can work on their steps and fundamentals for you know 90 minutes or whatever it is. But the biggest thing is going through meetings. Here's where everything is. Meet your position coaches. Learn all that kind of stuff so that you can hit the ground running in training camp. And, oh, by the way, some of these guys are coming to Houston, I think, for the first time. So they have that going on. Now, they won't see Houston, but they at least – here's the building – Here's where you're going to be. Here's your locker room. I mean, last year they had, what, four or five different locker rooms? So, yeah, you won't have the seven-on-seven seven stuff, 11 on 11 stuff. It's going to be all on air. But you at least get a chance to look at, you know, the, look at the guys on the hoof, how they look. You know, what does Nico look like up close? What does Brevin look like? You know, all that kind of stuff you'll be able to assess. But beyond that, I, I mean, unless there are a bunch of – and I, I don't think there are many of them on the roster that, you know, guys that have – less than one year of service time, which I don't think applies to anybody. Maybe Isaiah Coulter, maybe um, he might apply. So you might have a few of those guys, but it isn't, isn't enough to be able to have a full on practice, but you can practice in just a different way. And I think that's what they'll do um, to get these guys, these young guys acclimated. And I think these couple of days, two, three days, whatever it's going to be, I think it's going to be massive for these rookies to just go through that experience to just, okay, my NFL career started as opposed to popping into training camp and all of a sudden they're throwing with the vets and away you go and it's like, whoa, head spinning, never been to Houston. And all of a sudden training camp's here. Like, yo, this will help, I think, the rookies uh, in a major way. So remember when O'Brien would have, this is pre-rookie camp, but he would have these fake practices with anybody on the football ops staff to simulate a practice so they could just go out there and you know run a fake practice and right. see what it was like. Uh, and they probably didn't go full for like an hour and a half, but just did, you know, whatever amount of time they right. did, uh, you know, set up the towers to shoot everything and, and then right. go back in and just go through that dress rehearsal of it all. Yes. And I said, listen, I'll, I'll volunteer, you know, I'll volunteer to go out there and, and, you know, practice, do whatever. And he said, well, like, what can you play? And, you know, obviously <laughs> nothing, but, you know, I can like run around as a tight end or yeah. something, you know, if you're not going right. to hit me. You know, of course, it'll be glacial speed. It'll be like, I am running around. <laughs> like, that sucks. What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. That, would that, have been, been that would have been interesting to see his head implode. <laughs> here's one here's one receiver. Here's another receiver. And all of a sudden, it's Vandermeer's turn. <laughs> that oh would, that would have been interesting. But, but you would have made the catch, though. But, of, but, you all, know, of anything, I know you would have made the catch because – there's no way that a, a great ball would have been thrown to you and you wouldn't have made the catch. Maybe not. No I caught a David Carr pass once during a Sports Illustrated shoot. That's what I'm saying. You wouldn't you you wouldn't drop your your no, opportunity. No, not at all. If, if there's a camera involved, if there's going to be media coverage, I will certainly make that catch. Of course, there would have been no media coverage of this. Anyway, Johnny, thanks a lot. We look forward to tomorrow. Absolutely, Mark. Thank you. Tomorrow night, it's schedule release at 645. We'll have it for you right here. Plenty of details along the way during the day on your text and social media and digital media channels. So tune in all day long. It's going to be fun. And keep it here to Sports Radio 610 all the time. Have a great night, everyone. Thank you very much, Robert, for producing. And go Texans.